Welcome to All Are Welcome, an Evergreen Christian Church podcast. Today, we have a sermon for you. Please join us in listening. This is a reading from Exodus chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and they made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I have commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I might destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with a great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that God brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A common theme in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New, is figures who are close to God, both people and peoples. Figures close to God forget who God is or just can't quite identify who God is. In the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples, after witnessing Christ, multiply the bread and fish at the feeding of the multitude in chapter 14. They are hungry and have to feed another crowd, and they question Jesus' ability to feed the multitude. And that's in chapter 18. Jesus has told them 
multiple times that he is the Messiah. And throughout the course of the Gospels, Jesus predicts the betrayal, the denial, his death, his resurrection. And yet, upon Jesus' resurrection, when Thomas hears that Jesus has resurrected, Thomas doubts until he puts his fingers into Jesus' hands. The disciples see Christ and know Christ and come awfully close to predicting that he is the Messiah, that he is God. Yet they see him dimly, obscured. They do not fully understand or maybe even fully believe. As I talked about in the sermon last week, the Israelites have seen the chaos and cacophony of God and have told Moses to speak to God for them. And now Moses has gone to do just that. He has gone up the mountain to talk with God, to listen to God. Now Moses has been gone a while, and Aaron and the Israelites worry. What has happened to Moses? They have seen the destructive power of God. In fact, they are afraid to listen to God because listening to God may just kill them. Maybe Moses has died. Maybe the great I am was too much for Moses. The Israelites are now leaderless, and Aaron is the second in command. And so Aaron decides to make a new thing to look towards, a new thing to represent that connection with God. He asks the Israelites to melt down their most precious gold so that they can make an idol to follow. As I was preparing for this sermon, I read some interesting allegories and interpretations that people have made aligning Moses and Aaron and Israelites to different leadership models. But I think one of the most common interpretations of this text is that Aaron and the Israelites have built an alternative to God. They now worship the calf, which is a false idol, instead of worshiping God. They have forgotten God and instead turned in their desperation to a God of their own making. This is a very compelling interpretation, and it speaks to us both plainly and deeply. When we feel abandoned and when we feel distressed and discouraged, do we not sometimes seek to make gods of our own making? Do we not sometimes seek to put faith into something other than God? An interpretation I have read recently is that Aaron and the Israelites did create, did not create a new God to worship. They did not abandon God to worship a golden calf. Rather, Aaron and the Israelites built a golden calf that was supposed to be the image of God. They believed that is what God looks like, the God that brought them out of Egypt. The sin is not so much that they have replaced God, but that they have tried to make an image of God in this form of a golden calf. They have misunderstood what God is and what God looks like and what God does and have tried to make a form to what is now the formless. They have tried to contain the almighty and gilded statue. They saw the cacophony and chaos and thought, well, why not a calf? They abandoned Moses. 
Moses, who they made both listener and speaker. And now they have tried to stuff God into a statue, or maybe rather, they have tried to replace Moses with a golden calf. Now God has forbidden God's depiction, especially in this kind of form. But because they have lost sight of their leader, Aaron and the Israelites seek a new thing to look to. And so they have made the golden calf. The Israelites don't understand. They misidentify God. They think they have discerned God's image and have created the form of God, which will enable them to see again the function of God acting in their life but they are mistaken. And this angers God. Maybe angers is too light of a word. God has brought them out of Egypt. God has been their liberator. God has provided manna from heaven. God has been present, and they think God looks like a gilded calf. In a way, it is almost like they are worshiping a completely different God with how much they have misidentified God and imagined God in such a way. Throughout the Bible, when prophets see God, they often describe God only in terms of simile and metaphor and likeness. They never give an accurate or full detail. They say it is like this, but never fully say what God looks like. And when God does take form in the world, we see God in human flesh. Aaron and the Israelites in their desire for security and safety have deeply misunderstood God and what God looks like. They think they have God figured out, and they don't. They have falsely identified what their liberator looks like and is. We are tempted so often into a combination of these two kinds of idolatry, into finding things to place our faith within in place of God, and misidentifying something other than God as the source of our liberation and the form and function that God takes. Too often in the United States, we have placed false hope in, and we have idolized capitalism and consumerism, even saying that this is God's system. And we hear things and place our hope in sayings that if we work hard, we will move out of poverty. And we have false expectations that we will always be rewarded for our merit. And we are sold that the cure to our ills will always be available on the marketplace for a competitive price. We have placed both hope and seemingly we have said this is what liberation this is what God looks like. But we know it's not true. We all know it's not true. Plenty of people work hard and their lives are still hard. Plenty of people are born into wealth and luxury and live easy lives and don't work a day. Plenty of people go unrecognized, 
even though they are brilliant. And mediocre people are raised to positions of merit they aren't equipped to handle in every level of life. If you've ever worked at pretty much any kind of retail job, you've probably had an incompetent manager that should not have been a manager. And too often the cures we need to buy from the marketplace are priced beyond our pocketbooks. And many more of the cures we are sold are actually just snake oil. We cannot trust capitalism or consumerism for our liberation. We can't put our hope in that alone. And it's likewise for relationships. Hoping we found the right person, we place all our hope in them, thinking they will be a one-stop shop to fix whatever it is we're struggling with. And it could be likewise for any number of things we look towards as our liberators when we're lost and struggling. Drugs, relationships, the market, medicine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I would be remiss to not say this, that less than a month before a major election, we so often do this in our politics. We falsely put our hope in one vote, in one political party, or one politician. We have misidentified them, the system of politics, politicians. We have misidentified them as saviors and liberators, and we will end up disappointed. Our liberation does not lay there. Our liberation is with God. God is liberator. And we best not mistake our liberator as anything else. Now, this is not to say that these things cannot be helpful, that they can't be tools and avenues towards liberation and joy and happiness to restored and a healed world. Medicine does heal. Relationships can be restorative. Political systems, parties, and politicians can craft policies and systems to help us. This is not to say to stop consuming or to stop voting, vote, or to stop falling in love or to stop hoping in these other things. But this is to say, do not make the mistake of having these things as your true source of hope and liberation, as your only source of hope and liberation. This is to say that none of these things can completely and totally liberate and uplift you. And if you are to put all your hope and expectation in them, if you are to see them and say, this is how God takes shape on the earth, it will do nothing but disappoint you. It will lead to despair. And to do so would be turning away from a God who has delivered and liberated us. I'm not trying to sound particularly or overly condemning. But I am trying to say, don't get your hopes up, but put your hopes in God. Now that's in itself 
a lesson for us. The market can't cure us. Politicians can't cure us. Politics can't cure us. Often politics is what is ailing us nowadays. That is a lesson in itself, to not mistake any of these things for God's liberation. But I will also tease what perhaps takes fuller form in a future sermon. God is angry at Aaron and the Israelites. God threatens to destroy this thick-necked people. God says, if you have mistaken me for a golden calf, there is no hope for you. And I guess God would say to us, if you have mistaken me, the liberator for a political system, a political party, for an ideology, there is no hope for you. But Moses pleads with Aaron. With Moses pleads with God. And God changes God's mind. Moses is a prophet and the elected of the Israelites, yes. But Moses, who is a human, changes God's mind. And God decides to spare the Israelites. Even though Aaron and the Israelites have misidentified God and lost faith in Moses, God remains faithful to them. God remembers God's promise. Even when we mistakenly misidentify God, even when we place our hopes and expectations for liberation in something other than the great I am, God will still be our liberation. Even if we mistake our liberation as anything other than God, God liberates us. God is faithful even when we are faithless. Amen.